We'll be ready, Harvey. Let's see if we can pick you up. Wisdom walking with the hat man. It's a cold morning this morning, and today I'm going to talk about some numbers. And the first thing is some financial advice, something I've offered to my kids over the years, and uh, they aren't quite doing it. They have done at times, but then things get more important. The idea is, for every three pounds you take home, save a pound. For every three pounds you take home, save a pound. Now I know it's difficult because you've got direct debits and stuff like that, but if you can, as soon as you can, start doing that, after three years, you'll have one year's salary banked. That means you can take a whole year off if you wanted to, and you can fund yourself. After 30 years, of course, you've got 10 years. Okay, so that's the, uh, that's the lesson. I'll come back to that later. Oh, we've got a fan coming. But today it's really cold. And um, I'm not sure what the temperatures in degrees or Fahrenheit, uh, degrees in centigrade or Fahrenheit are, but both of them are designed to measure heat or the lack of it this morning. Did you know when centigrade, the temperature in centigrade is exactly the same in Fahrenheit? Let me tell you, it's minus 40 degrees. It's not the same for 40 degrees in the positive, but only works at minus 40 degrees. And you can use, you can work this out and prove it through something called quadratic equations. You use C, you use F, you use 9, you use 5, you use 32. And before you know it, you'll be able to prove when centigrade the temperature in centigrade is the same in Fahrenheit. Try telling my mum this. It would have been 1990. I know this for a fact because I was getting married that year for the first time. My mum used to pride herself always about being a superstar in mathematics. And she indeed had a school report that she kept and showed us that she got an A plus plus. Not an A, not an A plus, but an A double plus. And the comments were that she was fantastic at maths. So I uh, shared this information with her and she said, that's nonsense, that's rubbish. That, that can't possibly be so. And then I showed her how the mathematics worked to prove it. She refused to accept it. So I went through it again slowly and my mum again went nuts. My dad was in the room at the time, and he just told the two of us, stop it. But we didn't. We carried on. She was saying that I made it up so it would fit. I was showing her that it fits because it works. <laughs> but anyway, we had a massive row, and it could have got... It could have been big repercussions had we not found uh, some solid ground a couple of weeks later. But that conversation was brutal. The thing is, she didn't know 
how quadratic equations, whatever they are, worked. Maybe when she was at school, she wasn't taught. Maybe she wasn't tested on it. Maybe she was and completely forgot. But she didn't know quadratic equations. And that's where we fell out. And my dad knew that this was going to get big and ugly. And it did. All over a simple mathematical equation. So the logic drove so many emotive responses. Ridiculous looking back at it. But what did I learn? Hmm, well. This morning I was thinking about this conversation. I don't know why. Oh, the weatherman or something. But I was reminded from my deep recesses of my mind about a guy called Copernicus who died in 1543 and how Tolisani debunked everything he said. See, the thing is, Copernicus, you may know, he uh, came up with the uh, idea, mathematical idea, that the Earth wasn't the centre of the universe, the Sun was. And his mathematics and everything else is right. Tolisani, of course, went through a different kind of education and stuff like that, and he said, Copernicus doesn't know what he's talking about because he hasn't been taught the same way I've been taught, and I've been taught by clerics, and I am right. He is wrong, I am right. So there's this massive argument and everything else, but in 1543, Copernicus died, and Tolisani carried on with this talking. Eventually, after all this, I'm right, you're wrong, finished, people realise, oh, actually, the numbers, <laughs> the numbers do stack up. Back then, I imagined two different ways of learning. But, like my mum, when she was taught probably in the, uh, what, late 50s, early 60s, whenever that was, um, and myself, in the 70s, 80s, etc., things changed in that, that generation, and things have certainly changed since 1543. But what about me? And I'm thinking, what have I learned and held true to myself all these years to find out that they're not right. Well, obviously nothing because I am always right, dear listener. <laughs> not. I wonder, what about you? What are the things that you, you, you've learnt over the years and hold to be true? And I'm wondering now whether or not some of that learning needs to be upgraded. Maybe some of that learning needs to be reassessed critically assessed is it right is it relevant and does it really matter hmm i suppose it depends how hungry i am how hungry i am for learning how hungry i am to explore new ideas new ways of thinking how hungry am i to learn the world of the millennial how hungry I am to learn what's going on properly in my world and those close to me without having my um, blinkers on. I suppose if we don't um, make our learning more modern and relevant, we soon become laughable at those who just don't get what we knew. I know I laughed at my mum in a 
not pleasant way and that's what started the massive argument but we could become more laughable and laughable for a longer period of time because we are we aren't going to be the village idiot we don't have to become the einsteins but maybe we're living on out of date technology and the thing is with technology and that means you know our thinking processes it all needs to be upgraded and there's no point saying no i'm all right oh what's the point resistance as the borg said in star trek is futile all they wanted to do was learn more and upgrade and incorporate it into their day-to-day -day lives <laughs> resistance is futile rules regulations and belief systems laws of the land these things all change but also within our heads these things change so i think we need to incorporate this to uh, achieve global dominance <laughs> as opposed to universal dominance which is what the borg set out to achieve in their quest for learning more it's what they wanted but it's about what do we want oh look one two three four five six seven ten magpies Woohoo! oh an untrained dog coming to see harvey depends on what we want really um, and in, you know with ourselves what do we want within ourselves and within ourselves is the the greatest relationship we should ever have really and one of the things about a relationship that makes them work is honesty I heard this from a fantastic consultant Brian years back there was a married couple for whatever reason she decided to stay at home and run the house look after the kids the kids grew up moved on and grandchildren so it was then just her and her husband and hubby would go to work he was a man of routine and he'd get up and go to work leave just before eight be in the office before half past eight every morning he'd do his stuff he'd come home and he'd be home just as the clock hit 5 30 how he did it nobody knows but he was always there just as the clock hit 5 30 he'd come in take off his coat remove his scarf put down his case and say hi honey i'm home she would always say hi dinner will be ready in 20 minutes because he liked to eat before six he'd go upstairs get changed come down and a wash come downstairs into the dining room sit down and there'll be a lovely dinner he'd sit at one end she'd sit at the other then one evening, as this meal was being, the meal was being consumed, she said to herself, Oh my God, in less than a year, he will retire. And then we've got three meals a day like this every day. And she just suddenly realised she didn't want that. <laughs> and she checked in on herself and she thought, well... Why am I doing this? And she said, well, I'm doing it because I think that's what he'd like. But he sits there, he comes in, he eats the meal, and he always says it's a lovely dinner. But I don't think he wants this. And I don't want to sit down in silence for three square meals a day with a man that I've brought a family up with. And, and the man I'm going to see the rest of my days out with. So she put down a knife and fork, and she said to him, darling, I'm adding a voice, 
for effect. And then she went on to explain that she's cooked the meal, she's sitting there and she's concerned that, that the meal that she provi has provided every day for the last 30, 40 years is not necessarily what he wants when he comes home from work. So she said, Donna, can you just tell me, when you come home from work, what would you really want? What would you really like? Tell me, what would you want? So he looked at her, fearfully, <laughs> and put down his knife and fork. And he said, well, honestly? And she said, yeah, honestly. And he said, God, you know, I'd love a cold beer. God, I'd love a, I'd love a really cold beer when I came home. She said, oh, okay, thanks for that. And they finished the meal, had a lovely evening, went to bed. He got up in the morning, left, left for work just before eight. I'm sure he arrived at half past eight. Comes home just before 5.30, takes off his hat, puts it on his scarf, his coat, and says, hi, honey, I'm home, to which she said, hiya. He stopped at the bottom of the stairs, <laughs> looked in the kitchen, couldn't see her. Had a sniff, couldn't smell any cooking. And his wife, well, was nowhere to be seen. So he went through to the, uh, through to the kitchen, she wasn't there. Following the run of the house to the dining room, she wasn't there. And then in the lounge, there she was, sitting on the sofa, feet up, smiling, said, hiya. And on the table were two bottles of beer that had not long come out of the fridge and the condensation was on the side and the droplets were going down down and there were two chilled glasses for her <laughs> he said what's this she said i thought we'd have a couple of beers and he went fantastic so he came in sat down poured the beers toasted each other and they just started chatting away and uh he eventually said what's for dinner she said i've got no idea I haven't prepared anything. He said, what? She said, I'll tell you what we can do. We can cook something together, or we can get a takeaway. What would you like? And he said, I'd like another beer. So, you know, from that moment on, that relationship, one hopes, became a stronger relationship. But what about the relationship with yourself? What do you really want from yourself? What would you really want with yourself? What would you like yourself to be or to do? What would you like yourself to become more hungry for? To learn more? I wonder, what would you like? Is it a cold beer or whatever the cold beer represents? God, can you imagine? I'd love to be in that bloke. Sometimes we just don't know that we're allowed to say what we want. A child knows, says quite clearly, can I have this? No, I want it. Okay, I've said this before, but the thing is, when the kid goes through that I want, I want, after we've gone, I want, doesn't get, blah, blah, blah. There's always a victor, and it tends to be the parent, the strong parent, who stands by their decision, you're not getting this. But I think they're missing a trick. If you get two parties at a table, and one says they want one thing, and the other says they want another thing, be quiet, do as you're told, I want that toy, that's the beginning of a negotiation. And if that was to medi be mediated, both parties could get somewhere close to what they wanted. 
And they'd probably think, oh, okay, so something better is happening here. They'd learn to communicate better, wouldn't they? I think sometimes parents and ourselves with ourselves, we miss a trick to getting a really good outcome. So what do you want? Maybe if I'd said over the years that I wanted the equivalent of a beer, I'd be in a different place. So, thinking forward, if I think about what I want more of, less of, what I'm prepared to do in order to achieve things or to become more fulfilled or on my quest for global dominance where peacefulness is the global currency, all kinds of things could happen. So thinking back to the three in one, you know, three pounds, earned, take home, save one, so not earned, yeah, it's take home, so it's net pay. Get that one pound extra of the three, save it and bank it and nurture it. Make sure it's there for tomorrow, the next day, the next day, and don't squander it. But first things first, you've got to get the three. So I'm thinking this through on, my, on the hoof now. On my quest for global dominance, for a world of peacefulness, I, I need to upgrade my learning, make sure it's relevant and true to today's world. I don't want Tossolini turning around saying I'm a tossbox because I didn't learn the way he learned. And when I'm gone in 1543, I want to make sure I've, got a, I've had a damn good innings and I didn't feel a bit of a burk. And I do so easily now. So I'm going to learn three things a week. This week, I learned that the average modern car has 30,000 parts. Woohoo! And a Formula One car has about 5,000 parts. I also learned in 1898 the first land speed record was set at a speed by a Frenchman at a speed of just over 39 miles an hour in an electric car. The third thing I learned was all the stuff under the bonnet of my car. What the things were and how it all worked together. So if the one thing that I'm going to take from the three that I've earned, three things I've earned through learning, the one thing I'm going to take is my understanding the knowledge of how a car works. This is a diesel engine, which I know is different to a petrol engine. And that's the one I'm going to nurture and work on. Because I know in about seven or eight years, more and more electric cars are going to become more and more common. And I want to make sure that when I lift the bonnet or whatever it is, I know what I'm looking at. There's no point talking about a diesel combustion engine when nobody's using them, unless I'm on University Challenge. The thing I'd learnt, like to learn as well is to make sure it's relevant. But no, the one thing I've got to take, the one thing I've got to take of the three and one is what's under the bonnet of my car. Now, the idea is in three years, I've got a whole year's worth of money behind me. I can take a year off, but I'm not going to take a year off. I'm going to learn three things every week. 
and I'm going to try to nurture one of them. And in three years' time, I have a load of information inside me. And if I upgrade it and review it and critically analyse it, it may make me become more relevant and I can understand more and not be like Tossolini and with respect, like my mum. So, we're coming to the end now. Great day for the birds and dogs. Thanks for listening and we'll speak again soon. Hat man out.